Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Eat, Eat It, it up. up. Woo! Okay. So today, on your favorite podcast that talks about snacks and history, we are chatting about the 1973 oil embargo. Woo! Woo! What you've all been dying to hear about. By popular demand. <laughs> By popular demand. So, before we dive in, of course, we have to chat a little bit about snacks for the week. Okay. Marge, um, <laughs> do you want to start us off? What snack did you get? <laughs> okay. So, I'm actually very excited about my snack. So, it's from a little place called There There on West 4th, but it's spelt like there as in T-H-E-I-R. Right. And then there, T-H-E-R-E. Okay. So it's like there, there, but spelt two different ways. Right. Like their place, kind of. Their place over there. Right. Right. It's literally <laughs> this is like how someone, English works. So, someone in the comments like, actually, it's there. Yeah. Asterisks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so they have i've been i've been looking over, like everywhere in vancouver for these for the past while couldn't find them they have mochi donuts oh and i have to say mochi donuts slap so incredibly hard and i need people to try them like i need them to know that experience haven't you tried a mochi donut on the pod before no but i chatted with you about my mochi donuts before because i okay. love them so much okay interesting i just didn't have a way to bring them in to a so- topic before right but this can, week was the week can we get a fact check on that i, I don't know if that's correct okay no, i'm kidding <laughs> let me pull it out i'm like uh yeah, snopes like, huh? it's like partially false <laughs> rating like rating? <laughs> yes. no but okay so they have a mochi donut the whole vibe of it is that there is this certain type of flour that you can use. I think is it, it might be like glutinous rice flour. I'm not 100% okay. sure. But it's a certain type what of flour. What did you call me? <laughs> what did you say? And it's very, it makes things um, chewier. Okay. So mochi, I think like, doesn't necessarily always refer because mochi can take on like different forms. Because if you've ever had mochi ice cream, that's a very different like, mm-hmm. um, like consistency and flavor than a mochi donut would obviously be totally different ballgame totally different but a mochi donut is just essentially like it has this amazing textural quality to it where it's chewy Mm. and i just love it's like that like chew that you get from things where it's not like crunch right it's not like just like dead soft in the middle but it's like you can just sink your teeth into it oh my god it's so amazing you sound like a dog right now. Like if a dog could talk. <laughs> if I could ask Pebbles about, about her bone. like rawhide. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's like the energy you're bringing right now. And so they have a couple different flavors. I would recommend, I've tried the, all three that they have right now, which is like a matcha one, a glazed one, and cereal milk. Okay. Get cereal milk. Don't, don't mess with the other ones. Glazed, good, simple. You could yeah. get it anywhere. Don't bother. Yeah. Matcha, mind you, my bias is that I don't love matcha as much as like a lot of Vancouverites. However, I think like it's still, I think like the cereal milk flavor is one of my favorite flavors in the world. Like in desserts, cereal milk is such an amazing like depth of flavor. It's like creamy, but sweet. It's like what you want on like a dessert. And I know you're looking at me, Sam, and you're okay. like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> depends, on, <laughs> depends on which cereal that the milk came from. That's all I'm These ones say. are cornflakes. So it's not like an okay. overwhelming 
flavor okay. or like lack thereof that you can get from like let's say lucky charms no slander yeah. there i'm a marshmallow okay. lover but lucky charms interesting so that's what I, I got a box of six um i intended that everyone in my family would we would each have two per person right. i've eaten four um and i plan to eat the other two later today so. sometimes the math doesn't always work out <laughs> <laughs> and the cool thing about there there is that you can order like like i placed my thing would be if you're gonna get mochi donuts and you're not going to go in right when they open do a pre-order right. because they do sell out so i like yesterday morning at like nine o'clock like pre-order to pick up at noon right. and it was like easy peasy they confirmed it all good so super easy to pick up wow okay so yeah. sounds like the place to go sounds over like there <laughs> over <It's> there 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 <laughs> exactly so sam what's your snack <laughs> i'm actually drinking some um my snack this week is i'm drinking water from <laughs> stay hydrated <laughs> from, from the ottawa water system that they, they treat oh, their water so well yummy um, yeah it's cleansing it's let's drink together simple yeah have a big gulp here this is your daily reminder to to have a glass of water have <laughs> you had water drink, today have you drank water my dad was we have like one of those culligan things in our house yeah and my dad had to like replace the bottle today. <laughs> and yeah. I was sitting in here and I guess he put it on and it had a leak in it. And so I just heard this like flowing sound coming from the kitchen. And I was like, I'm not going to bother, whatever. My mom <laughs> comes upstairs and she goes, Richard, <laughs> there's water everywhere. Oh no. You're like, not my problem. I'm ignoring <laughs> that. It's like floods your whole house. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I can hear that something is going on. But if half the time when I join in, I just get in more trouble for like not having right. resolved it sooner. And it's like, if I keep this door closed, no one's going to know that I knew it was happening. I so. love that. Okay. Well, you just admitted to it live on this podcast. So. <laughs> but thankfully my parents don't listen. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, That's so good. Okay. Yeah, no, but in all seriousness, I, I don't have a snack this week. So I am drinking water. But um, That's okay. I'm just coming. I'm just being honest. I'm being, being transparent. Honest. I'm leaning into my, laziness my kind of my lack of organization you know this week was a busy week for you though yeah thanks so um, and also oh i forgot to tell the reason i picked donuts for this week was because of the oil embargo i was like oh i'll pick something that's oily and greasy so that's how i got to do oh okay, okay that's okay. where the tie-in came right okay yeah just because i was like oh should i maybe pick something but there's so many countries involved in this right that i was like it's just i'm gonna pick some i go i go to there there no matter what so right. I was like, oh, I'm just going to use this. So. Go there. Go there. Yeah. Go there. Okay. okay. Well, I'm excited to hear about this, this oil crisis, as you put it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited, too. Um, I, the whole reason I chose this topic was mm -hmm. because I feel like, have you ever, like, I feel like in history class, we're, like, talking with your parents before and stuff. They're like, oh, the 1970s and gas prices and stuff. Like, everyone seems to have this, like, stark reminder of like that the yeah, 1970s yeah. and gas was just like completely messed yeah and so i was like okay what happened there right. and the reality is that two things happened and we're only talking about one of them today yeah and if people love it we'll talk about the second yeah <laughs> Which I doubt we'll ever if happen. you force us but <laughs> okay so basically um in the 1970s there were really two energy crises okay. regarding oil and today we're just focusing on the one from 1973 because the other was in 1979. Right. So the impacts of the two were generally similar 
for the countries like Canada and the US both times. Right. But they're like two very different events. Okay. So the first one, we'll talk about what caused that one. But the second mm-hmm. one was about the Iranian war. Okay. So, or Iranian revolution, I think. Right. So that right. was a completely different cause, even though it kind of led to the same consequences for like Western countries. Right. Okay. In terms of oil. So. Gotcha. So we're only talking about one. We're only talking about one. And I'm holding you to it, March. Yeah. <laughs> Don't try and talk about the other one. Do Shut up about 1979. Do not Stop. mention it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and partially the reason we're just doing the one is also because I just poorly planned my time this week. So who knows? Maybe someday we'll cover, cover the other one. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So details. Let's do yeah. it. No, background it. first. We do yeah. background first. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so although we're focusing on the 1970s today, for background, we need to dive back a, like, a little bit earlier. So back in 1948, the Allied Palette allied powers <laughs> okay oh we're, we're going back oh, we're going, the allied powers which were formed during world war ii of course shout out yeah. to my fellow allies yeah um they carved land out of <laughs> like lgbtq allies <laughs> like, we hey, like think that's what it is sound off in the comments <laughs> yeah they were so yeah they were so pro-gay uh, <laughs> oh, no, sorry, keep going okay okay so um they carved land out of the british controlled territory of palestine Right. in order to create the state of Israel with mm-hmm. the idea being that Israel would serve as a homeland for Jews around the world. We all know this, we get it. Right, right. Um, but much of the Arab population in the region, they refused to acknowledge the, is- the Israeli state. Right. And so over the next few decades, sporadic attacks would sometimes lead to full-scale conflict. Right. Um, and one of these Ar- Arab-Israeli wars Right was the Yom Kippur War. It began in early October 1973. (laughs) And this is when Egypt and Syria attacked Israel on the Jewish holy day of Yom Kippur. And the goal was Egypt wanted to retake claim of Sinai, beginning with the Suez Canal, which Israel had occupied since the Arab-Israeli War of 1967. Hey, wait, sorry, can you say that again? (laughs) Sorry, that was a lot of info. So basically... 1973, Egypt and Syria, they're coming into Israel on a Jewish holy day. Right. And they're trying to take back the Suez Canal. They're trying to take back the Sinai, starting with the Suez Canal. Okay. So the Sinai is a region. uh, Yes. Okay. I haven't looked that up, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just took, I was like, yeah. You're like, like, cool, check the Sinai. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But it was basically like back in 1967, Israel mm-hmm. had gotten hold of that territory in a different right. war. And right. So okay. this was trying to take it back. Take it back. Okay. Yes. And for context, the Suez Canal was where that boat was stuck <laughs> last week. <laughs> a truly insane story. Which is the most, that was the Suez Canal, right? Yeah. Yeah, it yeah, was. It was. I, I got it confused with the Panama Canal somehow, but. Um, oh, okay. I don't know <laughs> why. They're, just, they're both canals, but. And they yeah. like stick in your head. But yeah, yeah. so they're trying to get this back. Egypt and Syria versus Israel is where we're at right, right now. Okay. Yeah. And so at this point, because it's the 70s, baby, Cold War times. Of course. The Soviet Union gets involved. Mm-hmm, and so do. they began sending arms to Egypt and Syria to help them fight Israel. Right. And then the U.S. sees this and they're like, no, you don't. We're going to come right. for you. So then Nixon decides to send Israel supplies like weapons. Right, right, right. 
So now it's like you had, you once again have this cold war where it's really U S versus USSR, but they're fighting through these like proxy. proxy. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, this is kind of when the oil, the whole oil issue started because as soon as the U S took this action to support Israel, right. Members of the organization of Arab petroleum exporting countries called OPEC. That's what it stands for is OPEC. Yeah. They impose they imposed an oil embargo on the U.S. and right. other countries that supported Israel, including Canada, the Netherlands, Japan, the U.K., South Africa, like a bunch of European countries, and then a couple other right. ones in between there. And it led to fuel shortages and sky high prices throughout much of the decade. That's how we kind of get to this point of the embargo was because right. the U.S. got involved and they supported Israel right. after the USSR. USSR had supported Egypt and Syria in their attack against Israel. Gotcha. And this mattered so much. This embargo mattered so much because by the early 1970s, most countries in the West, I'm going to say the West, but it's also including Japan. Right. And I think like Australia got involved. Like it was, I'm just right. saying the West because it's mostly Western Europe and North America that's in it. Right, right. They were increasing their consumption of oil in the mm. form of gasoline and other products. Right. While domestic oil production was also declining. Okay. So this meant that like there was a like an increasing dependence on oil imported from abroad. Right. When this embargo happened, that's why it kind of like kicked us all in the butt so hard. Mm-hmm. The background all sounds good to me. Thank you. <laughs> well, it's okay. bad that there was this conflict, but I'm glad. That yes, I understand but it makes it makes sense. Like the, there was a history, like a history of um, tension between Israel and right. these other surrounding states, and then right. that's this war, Cold War vibes. Cold War Here always, literally. <laughs> Anything happening in the time. (laughs) Okay, so details. So you may be wondering, who is OPEC? What's their deal? What are they doing? So OPEC was founded in 1960 by Saudi Arabia, Iran, Mm -hmm. Kuwait, and Venezuela, with Mm -hmm. the main idea being to raise the price of oil. Mm -hmm. And then other Arab nations and third world oil producers, they joined in the 60s and early 70s. And so it kept on growing. And for the first decade of its existence, OPEC really had little impact on the price of oil. But by the early 1970s, because of this increase in demand and decline in domestic production amongst Western countries, it gained a lot more power. Okay. Okay. So in 1973, OPEC claimed, proclaimed an embargo on oil shipments to the countries who were the main supporters of Israel, like we said. And the decision of OPEC to impose an embargo it wasn't only in retaliation for the support shown by these countries towards Israel, right. including the U.S.'s decision to like support them with weapons and everything, but it was also to gain leverage in the post-war peace negotiations. Mm. So essentially, it was just it was also like a power thing as opposed to just like right. we're supporting a country that we're against. Right, right, right. And the embargo both banned petroleum exports to the targeted nations, and it introduced a twenty-five percent decrease in the production of oil. Gotcha. And so it wasn't like oil was from like OPEC was no longer completely going into it, but it meant that these countries had to find like different ways to get access to it. Okay. If that makes it, we'll talk about it a bit more. Okay. So along with the embargo, OPEC demand that foreign oil corporations increase prices and give greater shares of their revenue to their local subsidiaries and several years of negotiations between oil producing nations and oil companies had already destabilized a decades-old pricing system. So that made the embargoes 
impact that much worse. Right. And so essentially the embargo contributed to an upward spiral in oil prices, and this had global consequences. So going back, so though Yom Kippur, the, the war ended in late October, yeah. the embargo and limitations on oil production continued, and it sparked an international energy crisis because mm-hmm. it obviously created difficulties for the nations that relied on energy exports from the Middle East, including Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the US, Western Europe, Japan, like all of these guys kind of were like, oh, we're kind of hooped right now. Right. And the reason these countries were so particularly hard hit by the embargo was because OPEC at the time was supplying 56% of the world's oil. Wow. Okay. And so it did have like a great share in like what these countries were using and importing. Right, right, right. And the price of oil per barrel, first it doubled and then it quadrupled. So like in the States, like the price of oil per barrel used to be $3. Right. And by 1974, it was $12. Gotcha. And so it imposed skyrocketing costs on consumers. And it also presented like structural challenges to the stability of entire national economies. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Big yikes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the embargo shocked the oil market, creating a shortage in supply, which as we know, doesn't work well with demand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so the thing was, is that like embargoed nations, they were able to get oil companies to sell them oil from other sources. But it just like, it kind of led at the initial impact of the embargo was there, it was like this mass confusion about like, it was just a divergence from the normal supply chains. Right. And so this mass confusion of like, how do we get oil? Where are we getting it from? It created a sharp rise in prices. Right. Plus then there's also a decrease of supply. Yes. In the global market. So that also, gotcha. Yes. And the US, they thought this system, like, and to be fair, like I can understand this thinking that, the U.S. thought this system would really end up backfiring for OPEC yeah. because less production would impact Arabic countries financially. Yeah. But in reality, the increased price per barrel of oil more than made up for the reduced production. Right. Okay. So it was like, even though they were producing less because it was costing so much more, like people were paying so much more for it, it right. didn't they matter that they were producing less. Right. And selling less. Gotcha. Exactly. So... After decades of abundant oil supply and growing consumption, the UK, Canada, the States, and other countries impacted by the embargo faced price hikes and fuel shortages. So in the States, for instance, the embargo hit so hard because the States had grown increasingly dependent on foreign oil, like a lot of these countries had. Right. And the thing is, though, like Europe and Japan, they had stockpiled oil supplies, providing them with like, they had a very short-term cushion. The U.S. obviously hadn't done that. They hadn't, like, stockpiled any. Right. And, like, although the U.S. does have, like, oil-producing states, like, of course, like, Texas and everything. Right. They don't have enough to, like, keep the country functioning. Right. So, in the U.S., gas stations were asked to close on Sundays. Cars were restricted on what days they could fill their tanks based on their plate number. Um, Really? Yeah, which is kind of crazy. And then you would have gas stations who would put up, like, they had almost like a traffic um, light, like a system where it was, if it was red, if they had a red sign up, it meant that they didn't have gas. Right. Yellow meant that they were running low and green meant that they had just gone gas. And then gas stations would put up signs being like only serving regular customers and stuff. And wow. it's, it's weird to think of because now you fill up on your own, but back then because they were filling up for you, they could pick out which customers were like, would be regulars. Oh, interesting. Right? And then um, you would have like, certain gas stations you could only get like 
five gallons of oil or like 10 gallons of oil. Like you couldn't fill up your tank. You could only get so much. Right. And so it was crazy. Like there's of gas. Sorry. I was like, what? <laughs> I say oil. Yeah. yeah you did. I was like, like oil. <laughs> just putting straight oil in. <laughs> like it works, like, doesn't like it? Like bitumen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, you see like photos and it's like these men, like full, like businessmen, like having to hitchhike to get right. to work. So it really, it, they even like certain, um, certain cities were asking residents because it happened like in October and lasted for a little while. Like people over Christmas of 1973 were asked not to put up Christmas lights Wow. and stuff. So it was really trying to reduce yeah. all consumption. And even like the national speed limit was reduced to 55 miles per hour so that people could conserve gas. And they even would put like signs up saying you like to show your country you care, you're going to like go slower. And things like it being wow. like slower is better. And so it really like did for a moment there, it had a big impact. And the thing is, is like it served as a massive blow to the American automotive industry. Mm. Because when you think of it, like Ford and what is it like Chrysler and those big cars, mm. they used a lot more gas. They were a lot heavier. Yeah. And so cars, smaller cars, made by like other manufacturers, specifically those in Japan, which were very light and like sleek right. and small, they were a lot more fuel efficient. And so it helped those industries and right. the US one kind of Get took a hit. Interesting. Yeah. And Nixon's administration, they tried to end the embargo, but it they kind of demonstrated a complex shift in the global financial balance of power to oil producing states being like, the US has seen as this superpower but even they have to like kind of crumble <laughs> to OPEC. Like they can't, right. they can't make it without them. So no, yeah. it was that shift in dynamic. Interesting. Um, comparatively in some European countries, like limitations were placed on driving, boating and flying. And even like the British prime minister asked Brits to only heat one room in their homes during the winter. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um, so comparatively in Canada though, although the price of oil rose quickly it didn't like quite reach like world levels of like that insane like price hike it was bad here but not quite as bad as like the states or the uk for example so it's weird i tried to look up like articles and see like did we have gas lines like how bad was it here and apparently i could only find like one city tv news article that would mention it and we did like it had a vague reference to us having like massive like lines to get into gas stations back then, right. but that's really it. So I don't think it was as like shocking here as it was in America. Right. Um, and but so- if, But if anyone was around in the seventies and thinks otherwise, <laughs> let us know. Sound off, let us Sound know. Sound off if you weren't there. I would love to know. I wish like, cause just seeing like the American, like the images from it, it truly looks like insane. Mm-hmm. So I would, I wish, I would love to know if Canada had the same thing yeah. happening. Yeah, But I know my audience. I know it's hard to talk about oil in Canada without addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah. So let's go on a bit of chat about Alberta. Please. <laughs> let's talk. So I think we were talking about, like, I would have thought that largely Canada would have been totally fine during this whole thing. Yeah. Because we have Alberta. Right. But although, like, oil had increased in value, Canada's oil industry was largely owned by American companies. Okay. So Canada, what happened was they were exporting oil to the U.S. at a fixed price. Right. But then they had to import oil from foreign sources at this increasing price. 
Oh, interesting. And so we had this, we had kind of this deal with the U.S. where they, they do um, like import a lot of our oil. Right. But we, because of the deal that we had with them, it was like they were getting it at like a way cheaper price than it was like now worth on the world market. Right. Okay. And so it didn't massively benefit like Alberta or Canada in general. We still right. took a hit. Does okay. that make sense? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. so it really put consumers and domestic producers of oil at a disadvantage because even though the cost of oil was increasing globally, yeah. Canadians really weren't seeing the benefits of that. Right. Because we were still selling at this fixed price that was lower yes. predominantly to the U.S. Yes, exactly. Okay. And to be fair, the 1979 oil crisis had a bigger impact for Alberta. Right. And it was really like this crisis that like strained the now like known relationship between the federal government and Alberta. That was the one that took the big hit. Right, right, right. Um, and it was, that was because Canadian prices were left far below international ones. Right. But that, that came later in 1973. It didn't quite, it didn't quite erode didn't that relationship quite yet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. To wrap it up though, the embargo came to an end in March of 1974. And it was because the U.S. I'm sure it was other countries too, but of course I was reading an American article. The yeah. U.S. was able to convince Israel to withdraw their troops from the Sinai Peninsula. Right. Which is the whole area that Egypt and Syria were kind of going after. Right. And so once they did that, the oil embargo was lifted, but oil prices still remained way higher than they were before. Gotcha. How's your water thus far? Oh, it's so refreshing. Is it? Yeah. How is your mochi donut? It's so good. It's like uh, something about it because it's like not too sweet, but it's like still like sweet enough because obviously I have a big sugar tooth. Yeah. Sweet tooth. Sweet I have a big tooth. Okay, sugar tooth. Like, it's a new one. <laughs> like, huh. Hmm, okay. But yeah, I'm absolutely, I love it. And then all the little like crumbs and stuff that will like fall onto the plate. And I just, I lick my plate afterwards. So that's like an mouse? insane statement that I put yeah, out there. <laughs> Again, I'm getting kind of dog energy from you today. Like first with the bone and then licking the plate. I'm like, oh, like, I lick my plate. Yeah, it's like, okay. It's like, you're like dog kin. You're like, oh God. Yeah. Uh, Pebbles, I have to say, I'm so glad she was sitting beside me earlier. I'm so glad she left because she smells like death right now. Does she? Like, Why? She vomited earlier this morning. Oh, God. <laughs> she hasn't had a bath. So she's just sitting there smelling like bile. She just reeks of it. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's not like she obviously didn't get it all over her. We wouldn't just let yeah. her sit in her vomit. Yeah. But it's like her mouth, it's just like she just smells, you know, like some old, old dogs. Yeah. But like you're just walking carcass is what you are. I love and that. That's like, what she smells like. <laughs> I love how you're like clarifying. We didn't let her sit in the vomit. Like it's not animal abuse. <laughs> Don't try and call. Like people are concerned. They're like calling Peter. They're like, this girl let her dog sit in vomit for hours. <laughs> and we're definitely you're gonna get canceled for it. So yeah. So she didn't. She's fine. Yeah. She'll get. But then think about the notoriety time. of this podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, um, so, okay. Should we should we talk significance? Let's do it. Okay. What does it mean for us today, Mark? What does it mean for us today? So this kind of fun things. Right. Not so fun things, but some fun. Mm-hmm. So the embargo, it really forced Western countries to think about the challenges of foreign diplomacy with the Middle East. Right. Um, it represented a shift in global political and economic power because now the OPEC countries 
could influence powerful nations by right. manipulating oil supplies. Right. But at the time, at least, on the one hand, you had like many of these countries who had like complete support for Israel now realizing that they also had to maintain close ties to Arab oil producing monarchies. Right. And so it did kind of show how little leverage Western countries really had in the oil economy. Right. Like you might think you're like these big, like elite powers, but right. everything that your country relies upon, we kind of have power over. Right. And so a little bit more bigger picture though, since the 1973 oil crisis made the U.S. feel heavily dependent on Middle Eastern oil, it caused the states to, to like focus on instability in that region because that's what right. triggered it. Right. And unfortunately, this focus would eventually lead, of course, to multiple wars and other U.S. military interventions. Right. And so it was this turn to be like, oh, we have to make sure it's like a peaceful area because that will help us in the long term. Right. And it led to some disastrous consequences. Right. So that's, that's one significance. Right. Um, focusing, though, on the impact for Canadians, in December 1973, as part of its response to the energy crisis, the federal government, which was during Trudeau's first term, right. um, and, no, sorry, I don't know if it was the first term, during Trudeau the first term. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Trudeau the first. Senior. <laughs> Trudeau like, senior. Daddy Trudeau. Justin Trudeau has been in power for like <laughs> 50 years. He's like... He's just looking hot always. Yeah. <laughs> he announced the creation of Petro-Canada, which right, we all okay. kind of know now. And it was for a few reasons. It was to boost oil and gas exploration in the north and offshore, to right. assist in the development of the tar sands, and to secure reliable oil imports. And right, by right, the right. 1980s, Petro-Can became one of Canada's largest petroleum companies. Right. And we still see it today. I know Petro-Can just simply through like gas stations. Right, right, right. So right. the federal gov also set limits on the price that consumers could be charged for oil, which I don't think right. Albertans always love. Mm-hmm. Um, and worked with the, they did work with the Albertan government to create Syncrude, which is a processing right. plant designed to extract synthetic oil from oil sands. And it now serves as the largest single source producer of oil in Canada. Interesting. Yeah. So there was like, I think, like post-1979, tension was there, but 1973, it seemed like a little bit less of a divide between Alberta and Provincial and Federal Gov. And also from 1973 onward, the Federal Government worked with the governments of oil-producing provinces to increase the price of Canadian oil. And so by 1979, the domestic price was roughly 85% of the global price. So they were trying to get it onto like a world market like equivalent. Right, right. Unfortunately, this kind of all fell apart with 1979. Right. That didn't really happen. But prior to that, they were trying to get it at somewhat equal playing field. Right. Oh, that's a little cliffhanger you left us there with. (laughs) People are going to be dying too. Until (laughs) Until... 1979. (laughs) People are like, shut up about oil. Like, nobody cares. Stop. (laughs) No, that is interesting. I feel like a lot of it, like, I know you mentioned that OPEC is like, doesn't have the same share of the global oil market that it used to, but still like, I know, um, yeah, like OPEC flooding the markets like in the past couple of years led to a massive decline in the price of of a barrel of oil in Alberta and has led to all sorts of knock-on consequences. I'm trying to think when that was, was it like 2015, 2016-ish it happened? But um, anyways, it's still like, they're still- 
powerful and um, have an influence on on our economy. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, so weirdly enough, though, some good things did come out of the oil okay. embargo. Yes. Um, aside from like Petrocan, because these like it was in conjunction with also the 1979 one. Like I think it came together, but 1973 started it. Right. Countries like because they now have to regulate how much oil they were consuming new conservation efforts gained a lot more important than they might otherwise would like to right. have. Um, because in order to conserve more oil, more energy efficient appliances and cars were created. Like we were saying, like Japan was like really picked up in their automotive industry. Buildings were constructed with better insulation, leading to reduced use of like heating and AC. Public right. transport was more widely used and people became a lot more aware of alternative energy sources. Right. And so it kind of just like led to the shift of like, it obviously didn't change a whole ton significantly because we're still right. screwing things up today. But at least like for people who might not otherwise have known alternative things, they could now like hear about like solar power and thing like hydropower, like things like that, that they maybe didn't right. know about. The green revolution. Baby. The green revolution. Right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> and that is the 1973 oil embargo crisis cool Yay. that was interesting thank you a bit I mean, different from what we've done before i liked that yeah very economics I, focused <laughs> very oil heavy economics and air quotes is us literally talking about supply and demand <laughs> it's we our most the loosest grasp of it like, <laughs> i know i was gonna talk about apparently during this time the term stagflation was coined Mm, and I was like, okay. oh, I'll get like, and I was like, no, I have zero clue what stagflation means, right. let alone could I like put it in a way that makes any sense. <laughs> right. It's like, we're going to gonna leave it. We're just going to ignore it. Yeah. I like it. So thank you. Nice. Well, thanks, Marge. This is interesting. I mean, thank you. I appreciate I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sold on. I don't have a lot of confidence in this one, but. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think so. I think at least for anyone who's not that interested, this will be a shorter episode. So That's a plus. You're welcome. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did that. you a favor. That's but, funny. Yeah. Hit me up if you want to know what happened in 1979. <laughs> Whereas, like, I assume, literally, I assume in all my episodes that people are going to want to listen to a full, like, hour, basically, <laughs> about it. It's like, you know, not everyone will feel that way about it. So I think a lot of people would, though. Pizzagate really locked me in. All right, so... For my review on There There. Right, yeah. Freaking obsessed. Would absolutely go back. Will go back. Yeah. They do offer, they do really good tater tots. Like okay. really good tater tots. But the catch is like they're like the only like non-meat containing sandwich is this like egg sandwich. Okay. And my problem is I don't really vibe with eggs very often, especially right. when they're cooked by other people. Okay. So weird, I don't know why, sure. but I always get, I'm like, eggs to me are a weird concept in general. Yeah. And then just like have something like weirdly like chewy and slimy that was cooked by someone else. Okay. There's no reasoning for it. It just I don't yeah. always vibe with it. <laughs> okay, but overall you like they're there, and you like overall I love they're there. I would just say like if like I couldn't go there for lunch. Okay. I would go there for like a treat. Well, that sounds like a hit. It is. It's a true bop. You gotta yeah. go. Anyways, oh my so. my my water <laughs> is delicious. It's clear. It's. Great. Sometimes Good. when it comes out of the tap, it looks a bit murky, but I think that's maybe the pipes in the building. I, I don't Love know, that. but it tastes fine. So. Oh, well, good. I haven't yet developed cholera, so. <laughs> yeah, literally, so. So good. Um, okay, so everyone, um, if you are able to and haven't already, 
We would love if you could like us on SoundCloud, follow us on SoundCloud, review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, whatever you can do. Do a backflip. <laughs> Send us money, whatever yeah. you need to do. <laughs> Let it be known. So anyways, great talking to you all about oil. Yeah. Love doing it. As we like to do. As, as we love to do. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll talk to you all next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.